Today on Bible Conversations, we're going to be talking about Heritage Christian University with the president of Heritage Christian University. All right, welcome back to another episode of Bible Conversations. Um, We're really pumped about today's episode. It's kind of exciting. Uh, We have Dr. Kirk Brothers with us today, the president of HCU. And uh, Dr. Brothers, you were with us uh, a few months ago. Well, I think it might have been earlier this spring on the podcast, but you weren't with us with us. (laughs) We were were meeting over Zoom uh, to record a podcast. And so we're glad to actually have you here in person and welcome you into our studio. I'm glad to be here. I appreciated you letting me be in Involved before, and of course, I'm always glad to be around you, you guys again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate you letting me do it today. Absolutely, yeah, of course. So, as we get going, um, really, what we want to talk about is heritage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. Right. But we also kind of want to talk about your personal life, um, to a certain degree. Yeah, I right. Understand. Yeah. Uh, so, tell us a little bit about Heritage Christian University. Why why is Heritage such a good school? Folks in our area know of a famous restoration preacher, T.B. Laramore, and his home up until a couple of years ago when it was lost by fire stood on the campus of Mars Hill Christian School, which okay. is a K-12 school. In the mid-1960s, there was a gathering of local preachers, elders, church leaders in his home. Of course, he'd been passed away many, many years. And in that gathering, one of the preachers said, I wish I knew who it was, somebody in the room, I I may not even have been a preacher, but Mm -hmm. one of those church leaders said, we need a Bible college in Florence. Mm -hmm. And so it was that statement and that discussion that birthed our school. So it started in 1968. It took on the name International Bible College in Mm -hmm. 1970, Uh, got a new president. That's when Charles Coyle came on as president. His daughter, Judge Carol Medley, is actually one of our board members now and lives in the area, worships at the Killen Congregation, which is about five miles from where my house. I live in Killen, Alabama, even though the school's in Florence, Alabama. But he really gave the school its identity. He was a preacher. And so he came at the presidency from a preacher's perspective. And you'll find that in education, that in Christian education, that some will come to Christian education presidency more from the education side. Yeah. Come, some will come more from the preaching side. Some will be a little bit of a mixed bag. Some will come from the financial side, too. Yes. Fundraisers. Yeah. Because all of those, especially the Christian school, to some degree are a part of the job. Mm-hmm. Nobody can do all of them. Yeah. So you come with what you're stronger at and you work on what you're not. Yeah. And so you may come with the preacher side or the fundraiser side, et cetera. So, yes, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a very good point. And so he came at it from the preacher side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, I remember when I interviewed with the Heritage Board, I said, whatever you call me at my heart, I'm a preacher and teacher. And so it was actually in the context of I want to teach a class a semester that yeah. I'm excited about this job, but that's what I do. And so you bring that with you. But he really gave the school its trajectory. Okay. And so we haven't had, I'm the fourth president in the 53-year history of the school. Wow. So once they're there, they tend to stay a long time. Yeah. And... I've been there. I'm in my fourth year at the school. So Heritage Christian, we, what drew me there is it is in a very unique position in the brotherhood. 
I had been teaching at, and I know I'm mixing two bags here together, but <laughs> maybe in telling you why I came, I yeah. can tell you about what it does and what it offers. Yeah. You know, you know, we were at Freed Hardman together. Yes. And I loved my time at Freed Hardman. I definitely did. Uh, I think it was really just my freshman year, maybe sophomore as well. And and then you took the job at HCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't because you came. Okay, there's no connection. To uh, I took one class with Doctor Brothers, and he was like, "All right, I'm I'm going." I, I don't know. He told me at church last night. It definitely was. <laughs> it definitely was. Well, I, I always have told the 2018 class. I thought, yeah. well, you know, nobody can top you, so I just will leave with you. And so there you go. But so I was I wasn't looking to go anywhere else. I was I was my plan was to stay at Freed and. Until, quote, retirement, Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't ever retire in preaching, but until I transition to whatever that final phase is in ministry. And they reached out to me. Um, I I loved Freed, but what what excited me about Heritage is their singular focus on training church leaders. Mm -hmm. So we fit. I, I knew a lot about Heritage. My parents had supported a student through school. Back in the IBC days, it changed from IBC to Heritage in 2000, and they really did that in connection with adding graduate programs. Okay. When they kind of moved to university status, they began to, to have discussions about what should we call ourselves, and so yeah. that's how we became Heritage. But back in the 80s, my, my dad is was trained as an engineer. He was in the first engineering class of University of Alabama Huntsville, trained by a bunch of NASA engineers, and he started out oh. in the space industry with Lockheed. But... He has preached at small churches around Kentucky most of my life. He also is really big in personal evangelism. So he converted a young man through the prison ministry. And when he got out, my mom and dad paid his way through what was International Bible College at Mm -hmm. the time. So I'd had that connection with the school. My parents always had thought a lot of the school. We grew up in Kentucky, but they knew about the school. Mm -hmm. And then when I was the preacher at Graymere, they actually had me come over and teach a course for a semester. And the only reason I didn't keep teaching for them while I was there is I got into a doctoral program and something had to give. So. Yeah. Uh, so I had some acquaintance, Rusty Pettis, who had been the youth minister for my girls when mm-hmm. we were at Graymere. He, they, in fact, my girls still compare all youth ministers to him and Miss Dana. <laughs> but Rusty worked when he left Graymere as the youth minister. He worked about five years in admissions at Heritage. So I, I had a lot of tentacles, I guess, into the the, the yeah. Heritage family. So I knew enough about them as professors. Those of us who were professors at Freed knew the professors at Heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Ed Gallagher and Justin Rogers have been good friends for years. They've got yeah. their doctorates from the exact same school. I mean, just yeah. have a have a lot. I mean, they have different personalities, to but the, they also to have a the lot smartest guys. Two of the smartest people <laughs> on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you you got to have your coffee before you sit down and talk to them. <laughs> exactly. But, but the, so I mean, and we we knew Nathan, we knew Jeremy, we knew uh, Doctor Bajans yeah. and so forth. So we knew the professors at Heritage. So we at Freed always respected the the professors at Heritage. We knew their credentials, etc. But what excited me when they reached out to me, I just, one of the board members, the search committee guy reached out to me. Uh, basically, my name was turned in because there was a board member who used to be a deacon at a church I preached at in Mississippi. Uh, mm. Brother Jim actually passed away this year. So he had turned in my name. They reached out to me. But what excited me about it is I knew the quality of education we could give because I yeah. knew most of the teachers. 
But one of the things that had become, first of all, I am a huge, huge believer in Christian education. Being able to study, you know, if you go to a Christian school, you're going to take math and science and history. Mm-hmm. and But being able to take science yeah. with a believer who has a Christian worldview radically impacts yeah, it really does. Yeah. What, how, how you look at science? Do you, you know, I. One of the phrases I heard a long time ago that's been used by Gabeline and others was, "All truth is God's truth," mm-hmm. and that is that anything that's true in the world came from God. Yeah. And so, what happens when you have that Christian mindset that all truth is God's truth? Then math becomes it's not like you have sacred and secular. Mm-hmm. Math, you're studying something God built in. If it's true. If two plus two is four, then yeah. God did that. Yeah, and the same thing is science. So science is not discovering how the world made itself or some aliens did it, it's which is the new phase God. now. It's discovering what God did and and yeah. what we can in our finite abilities, how He did it. Yeah, and so just being able, it just it changes everything. It changes like for example, I had a lot of nursing majors yeah. who took my daily Bible classes, and so. Learning nursing yeah. from the perspective that God made the body that mm-hmm. you're going to try to keep alive or that you're trying to, it just changed everything. So I'm just, and the, the environment of Christians you're around, you know, when you are in your 18 to 22 for some 24-year-old friend where you're going to get through undergrad, you know, you're forming networks mm-hmm. that will impact you the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. You know, we all you know, know so folks we don't see anymore, yeah. but think of the tentacles that come out of your of your degrees. Yeah. People you met led to this job, led to this relationship, led to this marriage yeah. or whatever. So I'm a big believer in Christian education. But I also saw that for guys going in, and we, of course, I shouldn't say got men and women because we had especially a lot of um, ladies who studied uh, youth ministry. They wanted to work with young people. They mm-hmm. were marrying a youth minister. We had a lot who were going into missions. In fact, my executive assistant at Heritage, Melissa McFerrin, mm-hmm. she was a Bivens at Freed. She was a missions major. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I was finding is churches often won't talk to you if you don't have a degree in Bible. Yeah. Okay. That's just the case. In fact, anymore, a lot of your larger churches, if you don't have a master's in Bible, yeah. you're not even going to get on the list of folks to talk to them. Yeah. But those have become so incredibly expensive. Yeah. You know, if you, the last I looked, thirty six or thirty seven thousand is the average that a, a young person owes when they finish a four year year degree from any school. Yeah. And well, and, and private education is just more. I mean, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Having just finished at Freed, mm-hmm. um, thankfully, I've had a lot of folks in my life that have that been helped helpful out. with that. Yeah, um, and but no, I, I know what you're talking about. Education is not cheap, mm-hmm. so that and, that's really the the big problem you see with. Okay, we need to educate people, but it's not cheap. So how right. do we reconcile those two things? Well, what I liked about Heritage is okay. We just do Bible. That's my passion. People invested in me my whole life. And so I ended up preaching and doing ministry and teaching, what I call teaching ministries in the Lord's Church. Because Mm -hmm. I I believe we all minister, but not all ministries are teaching ministries. And so the way I got into teaching and preaching ministries is people who influenced me, starting Mm -hmm. with my own parents. And so 
as I think about that and think about uh, those who want to go into ministry and those who want to prepare and train for ministry, it has just become such a financial burden. I was especially noticing it with youth ministry. I think about one youth minister who lived in Florence who was one of my former students. He told me one day, he said, I owe $65,000 in school loans for Mm -hmm. my degree. Goodness. And so I don't, this is anecdotal. I haven't done research on it. But I kept running into youth ministers at two, three, four years down the road. They were leaving youth ministry to go do something else. Because they don't, can't afford it. Well, when they, school, they can't afford when, to pay the loans on the, what they make. Yeah, they had to decide between school loans, a baby, and youth ministry. Yeah. When they get to the point they start, if they're married and yeah. want to have kids, they start thinking about that, and, and the numbers don't add up anymore. Especially yeah. the big thing that hits them is they have no insurance. Yeah. Our yeah. churches don't. One of the great disservices our churches are doing those in ministry is not providing them health care. Yeah. And so. If you're in ministry, if you owe forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars, I remember talking to two of my former students one day. Both of them owed north of forty thousand. Mm-hmm. So I'm, when I'm giving you these numbers, these aren't just random numbers. It's these real, are I'm, these are coming stuff. from students. Yeah. So what I liked about Heritage, first of all, I don't have to run all those other departments. Yeah, we, we do math and science, and you take history and you take English Comp one and two with Miss Jeannie. You, all of those things we do just like you would at any other four-year liberal arts school, yeah. but I've got University of North Alabama right there, and we, we actually have an articulation with them. We have a great relationship with them. There are a bunch of members of the church who teach there. Okay. There are a number of retired teachers who are there. We have Florence City Schools. We have Mars Hill, a Christian school system. Mm-hmm. So I've got PhDs all around me. Yeah, Some of them are retired. Some of them are still teaching, and they can do a class on the side, or if they're retired, there's like, mm, one class a semester, that would be kind of fun. Yeah. And you don't have to go to faculty meetings, but you get a little money on the side, <laughs> and you get to stay in the classroom. So you know, I can get math teachers. I can get science teachers, and I don't have to run a whole science department to do it. Yeah. And you know, if, you do, if your school has a science or medical department, they're just expensive to run. Yeah. So what immediately helps us is I don't have to run all those departments. I just run one department. We're a Bible department. Mm-hmm. We have undergrad and grad. You can, we're accredited. So we're, we're different from a preaching school in that you get accredited degrees. Yeah. You can do associates, bachelors, you, you get all three of levels of masters. with it, right? Yes. I mean, you're going to take, again, math, science, yeah. all the gen ed stuff that you would take uh, anywhere. Other than, uh, that's, that's what's different than a regular preaching school. Is, yeah, like yeah. Your preaching schools have gotten to where they've started doing like some English and and, they, and many of them are beginning to do some Greek and so forth. Mm-hmm. But you're going to get like for us, you're going to have a, a going to have an accredited degree that you you should yeah. be able to take to pretty much any religious school in the country that you want to. Yeah, and but yet we're not quite like some of our other brotherhood schools in that w- every major is a Bible major. Yeah, and so I say if you want to look at us, kind of compare us to the Bible departments mm-hmm. of the other schools instead of the the full student population. Yeah. So what excited me as far as becoming part of the heritage family is I thought. I know we can give them a really good education. Mm-hmm. Also, one thing that's a huge asset, okay, Florence in the Shoals area, it is the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can remember sitting down with Phil Sanders one day, and he said, you realize that, I don't know if it's still true, 
But he talked about there was a time when per capita there were more members of the church in the shoals in Florence than anywhere else in the world. Yeah, I, I still think that's true. It was just a few years ago when I heard that. Uh, I think definitely it's probably still true in the U.S. Yeah. I don't, there might be some pockets somewhere in other yeah. parts of the world since Possibly. it's exploded in Africa and Asia. Yeah. And, well, um, so for our listeners, what Kirk is talking about as far as the uh, belt buckle of the Bible Belt, yes. um, the Bible Belt is basically Tennessee down to Texas and pretty much through the south because mm-hmm. the there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of Christians, um, yes. so it's called the Bible Belt. And what you're talking about with Florence, that is the uh, just so con- so much condensed. Um, well, there's they told me when I got there, there are 500 churches within 75 miles of our campus. Mm-hmm. So all of our students basically work with the church. Yeah, some some already are when they come. I mean, yeah. we have a lot of students who've been doing ministry. They just never were trained. They yeah. they, they were doing a job as a foreman in this little church needed somebody. Yeah. And, but then you've got others who come to us who have never worked with the church. But they if they want to work with the congregation, yeah, they they want to do it. So that's a huge if if you can give them outstanding training on the job opportunities right down the street in pretty much any area of ministry you want to go to. And it's not as expensive. So already our tuition is going to be a third of anybody else's. Yeah. Mainly because I don't have to run all those other departments, but then because of what we do with scholarships. So just to give you a number, our graduating class last year, 87.5% of those who graduated in May of 2021 this past May, did not borrow any money on their degree. That's awesome. That's so, really awesome. And that's how you keep guys in ministry. That's, yes. that's how you keep them from mm-hmm. four years down the road saying, I I got to find something else. I got to provide for my family. Um, that's that's remarkable. That's yeah. incredible. So that's what attracted me. Mm-hmm. Incredible education, ministry opportunities, and very affordable. And yeah. So that's... So hey, I like because I my passion is training leaders. Yeah, and so I mean that's what we do. Yeah, uh, for, and and so you saw that and you wanted to be a part of it. Yes, of course. And and we can the way we do it is really like when you talk about recruiting areas, ours is literally the world because yeah. one of the things that happened with the pandemic is I say everybody came where we already were. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that was that helped us academically during the pandemic is that we already, I think all but one class was already available by Zoom. Mm. And that one class is a a rarely offered kind of, you do a field trip and that kind of stuff. Kind of requires being on campus. Yeah. (laughs) And so everything we had was already on Zoom. So what happened is, is when, when the Brotherhood Schools made the decision, and one of the things that was helpful is during the heart of the pandemic in those early days, the Brotherhood Presidents, we, we had a conference call every other Friday. Oh, wow. And we would just talk among ourselves what's going on. Of course, I mean, you've got folks from sea to shining sea. So yeah. it very different things going on. But that was hugely beneficial. Yeah. To, as you're wrestling, what policies are you going to use? What are the legal ramifications? What are the health ramifications? It was just huge. Wow. But one of the things that helped us is all of us within two to three days did the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... What a lot of the other presidents had to deal with was they had to figure out how do we keep teaching a class that was only taught in the classroom when students are all home. For us, the class, every class, was already set up as a you could come and sit in the classroom, Mm -hmm. you could do it by Zoom, Mm -hmm. or you could do it asynchronous where we record it and you can watch it later. You turn in all your assignments online if you want to. Yeah. So... 
we just kept right on teaching. Yeah. Some had to, to adjust to studying from home. Yeah. yeah, the students made a little adjustment, but as far as the mm-hmm. teachers and, and the professors, they just kept on going. And so, you know, we've actually seen a huge increase in distance learning students. Hmm. One of the things we did the first summer, we began to have people in April and May of 2020 started calling us. We all, we've always had a decent audit population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more than our other brotherhood schools. A number of yeah. elders, deacons, Bible teachers will audit classes. Yeah, or even older preachers like Corey. I know he likes to audit classes well, with y'all every so often. My first <laughs> class I taught. My areas are pre- preaching, preparing, mm-hmm. you know, homiletics, yeah. leadership, and then I teach a one fundamentals of youth ministry class. Yeah. And my first class was a leadership class, and that particular one they dual listed it for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't do it dualist anymore, but we did then. So you had undergrad students and grad students. You just adjusted their assignments and so forth. In that yeah. class, I had a 17-year-old senior who was dueling rolling. Okay. And then I had a 75-year-old elder from Louisville who was auditing the class. And that was amazing because That's you know awesome. he had been a preacher for 40 years and was now yeah. an elder. So when the 17-year-old asked questions... <laughs> I just turned to the 75-year-old elder. <laughs> That's say, the easiest oh, yeah. class to teach then. <laughs> I, I get, so um, it's just phenomenal. And there was another That's class awesome. that he was in, and like we were talking about the parables. Yeah. And so I said, Brother, tell me, what, how did you do parables when you were preaching? Yeah. You know, um, or not parables. We were talking Proverbs. That's what it was. Okay. I said, how did, you, how did you preach on Proverbs? So he just started walking through a series he did on yeah. Proverbs. So, you know, we are a very That's eclectic awesome. group, and we're from all over. Like in this youth ministry class, I, I've got a guy that joins us live every week from Glasgow, Scotland. Wow. And so <laughs> the, the world can can access us. And hmm. so we have, we have seen, we begin to see people saying, hey, can we can we audit some classes more than we were seeing? Yeah. So the administrative council and I, we got together and I said, hey, this is an opportunity. And actually some of the, uh, several of the brotherhood schools began to say, okay, well, what do we do? What can we do? So we're thinking from multifaceted. First of all, how can we better serve the church? There's, yep. What was happening is people were getting two hours a day back. Yeah, because in our area, you know, you got folks who work out of Nashville. They're used to driving, and I'm sure it's like this in the in the Dallas. Oh yeah, you spend area. an hour in traffic going yes. there, an hour coming back. So yeah. if you, suddenly, if you're working from home, you just got two hours a day back. And what we found is a lot of folks wanted to use that in study. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they started reaching out to us. So what we decided that That's summer, awesome. we we usually have very few students in the summer. I mean, mm-hmm. very few. Yeah, we do three classes, and uh, they're all distance learning. We added three classes and did them free that hmm. summer of, of 2020. And what that meant was you not only could audit it for free, you could do it for credit for free. Wow. Nice. And we tried to use ones. We Our goal was, first of all, for those folks who were calling us saying, hey, I, I want to study the Bible. Can you provide it? And mm-hmm. so it gave them a place to study. You're like, yes, for free. You can yes, join this you're, class. You're in. <laughs> uh, number two, it gave our students a price break. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they were their families didn't know what was going to happen and I yeah. guess we yeah. still know what was going to happen, but they were very nervous at that time. Yeah. So they could knock out the gospels or life of Christ, which is required of all of our undergraduate students. Yeah. They could lock knock it out for free. Yeah. So that's a pretty big saving. But it also allowed people to be introduced and reintroduced to us. And so we had a hundred and fifty five audit students that summer. Wow. That's not awesome. counting our credit students. Yeah. And so since Jeez. that time our distance learning numbers have gone through the roof because yeah. during the pandemic, I know we all have Zoom fatigue, yeah. 
but we've also realized we can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, you've got Google Teams. There are several formats you can use, but we realize that you can do two-way communication digitally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the meantime, we first of all, the government gave all the schools a little money to improve their distance learning. Yeah. And so what we began to think about, we thought about some projects that were probably three to four years down the road. We said, okay, we've got this seed money. We can only use it for this. If we don't use it, it goes away. So let's move that project so up and, and let's go raise some money. We, you know, it wasn't enough to do everything, but it was a, you know, a decent start. Yeah. And so we just started reaching out to people. Yeah. And so we've, all our classrooms are now Zoom classrooms. Mm-hmm. Our two major meeting rooms, conference rooms are Zoom classrooms. So we got touch screens. Nice. Everybody can see everybody. Everybody can hear everybody. And you've experienced that in the classroom. So you might yeah. want to, to elaborate. I have, yeah. They've got uh, whiteboards that uh, you can actually you can just write on the whiteboard yes. with your finger. And uh, it's a digital whiteboard. Uh, the, the Zoom camera goes both ways. So you can see the classroom. You can see the professor. Um the sound is really good. Uh, it's, it's very easy to interact. It's, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really good. The the first two years that I was there, you know, it was basically there was one camera angle, mm-hmm. and if you spoke, it was through the loudspeakers. Yes, and mm-hmm. it was if you were on Zoom and somebody else on Zoom was speaking, it was kind of hard to hear. Yeah, and it's not like that anymore. Yeah, it is considerably better now. Well, we felt like that was. Priority number one. Yeah. You know, if ever everybody's going to be online, everybody one of our goal is is to have the online experience as close as you can get yep. to being in the classroom. Yep. And so we feel like we've really closed that gap a lot. Yes. You know, like now with our new touch screens, I can annotate anything on the screen. Mm-hmm. If it's a PowerPoint, if it's a web page, I mean I can circle, I can draw notes and that's cool. Uh, and so it, it's really I hope you know, from the student perspective, that it's enhanced that experience. Yes, it has. So um, I will speak for me. You can, from, from you, it has been helpful. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I, I really do think we have a lot to offer. Yeah. You know, we're going to be different from other Brotherhood schools. You know, we have campus students. We don't have as many campus students as the other Brotherhood schools would have. You know, we don't have social clubs and we don't have a basketball team. Yeah. Our students kind of adopt University <clears throat> of North Alabama. So there's usually yeah. a contingent at the UNA football games and <laughs> actually do a decent amount of stuff with the UNA student center. There's okay. always been a strong connection between those two. Okay. And um, I don't know if it's the case now. I knew a couple of years ago, in fact, the, the president of the student association and our SGA president went to church together, and so they would really? plot things <laughs> at worship That's services. That's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> but if you want to do ministry, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you want to be trained to do teaching ministries in the church, and you want to be able to do it without having a mountain of debt, I really think we've got a lot to offer. Yeah, you know, we've, and we're in phase two of application for ATS accreditation for our graduate programs. And so we'll we'll keep moving through that until one of the, I, I remember I was at Freed when Freed went through the ATS process. And yeah. basically I can remember as professors, we talked about, hey, if this could help us and our students, let's do it. But if at any point I can remember as Mark and, and Justin and others were leading us through that process, I guess especially Mark, if we if it was going to cause us to sacrifice our mission, the mission's more important than accreditation. Yep. So that's the same approach we've had at Heritage. So we've done phase one. Phase two will begin in January. 
if we can do that, we think it'll help our students transferring degrees. Good. And Will that ATS backlog to those who have already graduated? I don't know that we know enough yet to answer that. So okay. Chris is asking for himself. Yes, it's not done by the time he graduates. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, whatever they're evaluating is going to be the same stuff. Does yeah. that make sense? But I, basically, I, I think what you're going to find, first of all, just recognize this is me off the cuff. So this yeah. is not, I don't I'll speak get, yet. But this was not prepared to be talked about, Chris. It wasn't. <laughs> That's okay. We don't have to. The, <laughs> when, a, when you transfer. Yeah. They're going and you say your degrees from this school. They're going to look to see if what accreditation that school had. Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to go back and look. Okay, well, three months after you graduated is when they actually got it to. ETA yeah, actually look at the dates and yeah. everything. I'm not saying they won't, but uh, that's fair. And, and if it's anywhere close, it, they're going to know it's the same it's basic same stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we know we'll need to adjust things to meet their the way they do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also know we're not far apart. Like, here's what I mean. And some of and much of it is semantics. It's how you word things, how you organize things, yeah. how you depart, compartmentalize things, more so than what you're doing is not good educational practice. Yeah, like what you're teaching, yeah. So, like, so real quick, I do for our listeners want to explain what ATS is. Yes. Uh, it's the Association of Theological Schools in the mm-hmm. United States of America. So basically it's just a grouping of schools that teach about God mm-hmm. that are saying this school is good at what yes. they do. And they only do graduate programs. Yeah. And most of our brotherhood schools have it for their graduate program. Not all of them do, but most do now for their mm-hmm. graduate programs. So like we already have a s- accreditation for undergrad and grad, but this would be an additional for our grad. And like I actually serve uh, in in the spring I will do my third tour being on a visiting team because Okay. All the schools that are in a an association that are being accredited, you go and visit each other's schools. So you'll have five-member teams. And so, like, I'm usually the administration board representative. So that's my focus is, you know, your VPs, your president, how do they do things? And then I look at the board, the relationship between the board and your VPs, et cetera. And so I'll be on my third visiting team this coming spring, but I can tell you one of the last school that I was a part of a visiting team for, they did ATS and our accreditation, um, which is through the Association of Biblical Higher Education, they did those within weeks of each other mm-hmm. and used the same basic forms. They just, the different areas of criteria that you're looking at yeah. had, were, had different numbers. Mm-hmm. So it might be number seven on this list and it might be number three on this list. But they, so what that tells me is much of what ATS is going to ask of us is what we're already doing. Yeah. Because I've seen them side by side. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we, we're not going to sacrifice our, mi- our mission for accreditation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that does bring me to the question, what is the mission of Heritage? Well, our official mission statement says that we exist to advance the churches of Christ through the training of servant leaders, through undergraduate graduate degrees and continuing education. Uh, it goes on to talk about we create effective communicators and mm-hmm. preachers and teachers and missionaries for real-world ministry mm-hmm. with an emphasis on evangelism and focus on Scripture. So that that's the, the, official. the, yeah, the, the yeah. Kirk version of the mission statement. But really, we're about training people for ministry, helping the church to grow. 
yeah. by training those who are going to be the the leaders and teaching ministers. And again, mm-hmm. I I keep going back to that teaching ministry thing. Yeah. So like I think about churches I've been at who've had the Graymere Church, for example, mm-hmm. I mentioned that because that was the last one I was at, had a great benevolence program. But you can be heavily involved in a benevolence work, which is a major ministry, and it is as much being like Jesus as any ministry you can do. But you yeah. may never in that process ever teach somebody about Jesus or yeah. how to go to heaven. So when I say teaching ministry, I'm involved in, you know, you're going into some area of work in the Lord's church that involves leading other Christians or teaching them in some capacity. So that's what we focus on. Yeah. And uh, so there's been a there's been a couple of verses that have kind of popped to mind as we have had this discussion. And the first one is from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this is Paul speaking to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom preach the word. Mm-hmm. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the myths and we see that happening a lot today and so what heritage is doing with regards to teaching the gospel and teaching how to be a gospel teacher um, and, and everything in between, right, mm-hmm. I think is is so impressive and incredible. And it also reminds me, as as you've been talking about, you know, you've got somebody in Glasgow, Sweden, right, who's in your class. We've got... Let's go Scotland. Scotland, Sweden. I could have Scotland. said Sweden, but yeah. it should be Scotland. I, you, I think you Graham said Scotland. Graham and my friend I Adam I will be Sweden. really upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I, I think I actually am going to see Graham today, so I might have to mention it to him that... <laughs> That I we moved it his city to <laughs> we moved it, yeah. Um, but so, so we've got. I mean, we've got people from all around the world that are at Heritage, and that reminds me very much of the Great Commission, mm-hmm. right? Uh, verse eighteen of, of Matthew twenty-eight. Jesus came and said to them, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you." Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so as you went over your mission statement, not yours, right, but the universities, mm-hmm. and you've been talking about heritage and everything that it entails, the job is to teach mm-hmm. and to reprove and to rebuke and to exhort mm-hmm. and to go and to make disciples and to teach mm-hmm. and to baptize. And I think that's just – I think that's awesome. I, I, I don't – you know, I, I've been going to heritage now almost for – I'm almost done. Yeah, this is my second and a half year. I don't know if that's how you say it, but you know, once I get my degree, I'm sure I'll be able to speak properly. Um, <laughs> yeah, right now you're, you're not yeah. sleeping enough. To yeah. be able to put full coherent sentences together. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm 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 getting there, right? And one of the things I've noticed is the camaraderie that is shared between the students and mm-hmm. the connections that are made, as you mentioned earlier. But most of all, the spiritual emphasis that is placed in all of the classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm learning Greek this semester, and it is just brutal but there have been multiple times where we've been we've just sat down and we've talked about the spirit right the pneuma mm-hmm. of of god or we've talked about um just various aspects mm-hmm. of ministry and of life as a christian because of a greek word that came up that we've been translating in the scriptures mm-hmm. and it's just exciting and it's really cool so uh-huh. have you got ed 
Dr. I do. Okay. I do have Dr. Gallagher. Yeah. So he, um, he has definitely given me anxiety this year and I'm sure he will be glad to know that because he has been preaching to us. You need to be anxious about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, been... if, if you're, if you're not all in, don't do great. Yes. Don't, don't, don't pretend or, <laughs> yeah. you know, no fake. So it's, well, I'll uh, tell you, he, uh, if, I don't know if you've ever gotten to hear him preach much. Not much. He, he is not your typical preaching style, mm-hmm. but he is phenomenal yeah. as a communicator. And you think about as smart as he is, mm-hmm. and you, you've seen him in the, in the classroom in Greek, he has this amazing ability to make the text real. Yeah. He is my youngest daughter's favorite preacher, and that includes her dad. Okay. And so, I mean, <laughs> no. so if, that, if that tells you something. Now, my oldest daughter, I, I may still be number one. <laughs> yeah, I've had him for a couple of classes, and actually the first class I took at Heritage was about um, – the Old Testament, his introduction to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. it was with Dr. Gallagher. Yeah. And when he started talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls, I was just mm-hmm. absolutely fascinated. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking about 2,000-year-old pieces of paper. Yeah. And I'm just eyes wide open, ears, yes. you know, just tell me more about these old pieces of paper, right? Like I'm yes. excited about it. And I actually got to use some of that information to help the teens here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just – it's. I think it's really exciting that what is happening at Heritage. Um, You know, I haven't been to any of the uh, undergraduate classes there. Mm -hmm. Um, I may end up auditing some later because Mm -hmm. it it seems to me that, you know, while I do have a foundation Mm -hmm. in Christ, you can always build on that. Yes. And uh, just because I'm a graduate doesn't mean that I'm better than being in an undergraduate class. Well, I I audited when Ed did those summer, when we did those summer classes, he did a class on... The history of the Bible. Mm. It is one of not just in the churches of Christ, but yeah. in the Christian religious world at large. He is one of the authorities mm-hmm. on the text of Scripture. He's written a couple of, of books yes. now, and he's. I actually so one of the books that I had to read as a textbook. Mm-hmm. He was cited in. Yes, <laughs> as uh, as a. As I looked at. It, I was like, yes. So when he did history of the Bible, <laughs> I took it as an audit student. Okay. Yeah, I mean. I have in my office. I have an old slate, like you know, it's, it was. It's what? What would that be? Uh, uh, handheld 1.0, but it, the uh, just a school slate. Yeah, you know, and it, you'd write on with a talk about like a chalkboard. Chalkboard, yeah, mm-hmm. a little chalkboard yeah. school slate. That yeah. was a, my neighbor's. She passed away. The family gave it to me. There's, I mean, it's probably 110 or 20 years old. Wow. But it hangs in my office, and it has a sign on it that never says "Never Stop Learning." Yeah. So as you think about that, I mean, that's why we have a, a, an army of people who do that. But that's yeah. one of the reasons I'm here in Texas right now. Yep. Is when I first thing I started when I became president is any whatever I'm in, I'm on to train for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I started going to all these training workshops for the presidency, but I'm also still teaching every semester. And so we've been talking in our faculty meetings because it's neat. I, I take off the president hat. Mm-hmm. I can remember the first meeting. Um, one of the one of our professors said, "Now, are you here as president or as a, a teacher?" I said, I'm, "I'm a teacher now." <laughs> and so it's neat being a part of those faculty meetings as a part of the faculty. Yeah. But we've been talking a lot about professional development and a lot of go to workshop seminars. And so we're talking about this, and I think you know. Last three years, I've been going to all these workshops on fundraising and presidency and even enrollment and those kind of things because all of that rolls into my goal. And I thought, I haven't been to a professor's workshop <laughs> since I've made the transition. Yeah, yeah, I'm still teaching. So that's what I'm here. I'm here for two professor backpack workshops yeah. uh, right. and things related to what I do because you just have to, you never stop learning. Yeah. yeah. So. 
Well, you know, this entire conversation, uh, it was reminding me about Ephesians 4. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the signs and the banners that we've had around the building mm-hmm. um, since you've been here last night and this morning. Uh, but our theme for Keller Church of Christ this year has been one. Uh-huh. Um, uh, did you have it pulled up also? No, I, I had. I, I was going to say I use 11 through 14 in all my classes. So oh, okay. You're, you're going to... I, I, I'm about to go to, to four through six. You're singing what I love yeah. to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> Preaching but, to the choir. But uh, our, our theme has <laughs> been one this year. One yes. Lord, one faith, one baptism. R- really, each of those ones that's mentioned in verses four through six mm-hmm. of Ephesians four. Um, and that's what I see with re- really what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the brotherhood schools working together and the mm-hmm. presidents meeting together on Zoom, whether it's the entire church, you know, the... These brothers and sisters from across the world gathering together to meet over Zoom. It's it's all just one. Yeah. It's uh, I'm going to go ahead and read it for us. Yes, Ephesians 4, please. 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And, man, I, I see that with heritage. I see that with... Um, really what you've talked about through your work with the, the different congregations and, and all of these supporting congregations of heritage and all of the, the donors from, from all over. It's the church. And, uh, you know, people always say when you meet somebody who you have a, you know, common friend with, it's like a, oh, it's a small world. Well, maybe a small world, but it's a great church. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, what struck me when you said Ephesians 4, in all of my classes, leadership, preaching, youth ministry, no matter, mm-hmm. we go, we're going to spend time in Ephesians 4, usually 11 through 16, but especially 11 through 14. Mm-hmm. And where that connects to what you're talking about is he, he talks about, at the beginning of the chapter, be one. Yes. You know, be one heart, one mind. And then he transitions to saying that oneness just fits the essence of what it is to be in God because you've got one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yep. And then he talks about Jesus as he is in his victory parade, yep. leading a host of captives captive, you know, the echoes of those great victory parades that would march through the streets of mm-hmm. Rome where they would leave the captive army in the back. And in those victory parades, the victorious general or those who were serving him would would toss gifts to the crowd often it was loaves of bread that they would toss to the crowd and so he plays on that and says okay in light of this desire for oneness jesus in his great victory parade gave gifts to the church well what were the gifts and some he gave as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of christ until we attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Mm. He gave leaders to the church to assist, excuse me, to assist in unity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we can't be unified in heart and in fellowship if we're not unified, as he puts it, in what you know and believe. Yep. He yep. says unity of faith and knowledge and mature into the likeness of Christ. So to think that that's what leadership is. And so what's ironic is Jesus. The, Paul says Jesus gave leadership positions to the church to unify her. Mm-hmm. 
But unfortunately, think of how many of the divisions in the church have come from that. Have come from what were supposed to be gifts, and they became curses. Yeah. Which makes what Christian schools do even more important. Amen. We've got to train leaders in the church. To be leaders. That are going to lead the way God intended, to unify us in faith and knowledge and help us to become like Jesus. Amen to that. Well, Kirk, um, this has been a, a really great discussion. I always love getting to talk to you whenever you, you come in. And, and next time you're here for another workshop, let us know. I'll do it. Well, we're, I'm in Texas. Texas has really been amazing to our school. Yeah. You know, we track. It's just because Texas is amazing. Well, but, Texas yeah. is amazing. <laughs> you know, my wife lived in Lubbock for three years when her dad okay. was at. Uh, at Sunset. Yeah, at Sunset. Yeah. And then, so she's always kind of had a special place in her heart yeah. uh, for a long time. For she, the Lone Star stuff. Yeah, so we, we, so I've had Lone Star stuff around my house. We don't have one right now, but I remember we had a, I don't know, a chandelier or something that was made out of Texas license plates for a while <laughs> at one of awesome. our church homes we lived in. That's good. And usually when we look at our the top five states that we have students from mm-hmm. and that we have donors from, Texas is always there. Usually it's third. Yeah. I mean, Think about for a school in Alabama, you know. Yeah, Alabama's going to be one. It's going to be Alabama, Tennessee, and Texas. That's yeah. usually how it is most years, both in students and often in donors. Yeah. So the the Lord's Church has been amazing to us in Texas. So I come here. I've got a lot of friends here, and we'll be at three different churches on this trip. And just very good. Appreciate what you guys are doing. I'm glad to be here. I've gotten to spend time with folks from Keller mm-hmm. at the big fundraiser that we have in Louisville, but I've. Yep. This is the first time I've actually gotten to be on your property. So, yeah. thank you. Yeah, well, we appreciate having you. And, uh, Dylan, I'll let you close us out here. All righty. Well, uh, for all of our listeners, if you want to know how you can contact us, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, um, or if you want to know how you can help us out, uh, we have a shop online. And so all the information for how to contact us, how to support us, uh, will be played here momentarily. Thank you for listening to another episode of Bible Conversations. We want to encourage you to check out our proud partners, Ministry League. They have a website as well as an app that you can download from your smartphone. Yeah, not only that, but also be sure to send us an email. You can reach us at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you what your thoughts and comments are on today's episode. And if you have any questions or any comments, anything that you would like to let us know, please send us a text at the following number, 972-905-0856. Yeah, and that way we'll be able to uh, get that comment and and get back with y'all as well. And please leave reviews and comments. I know there's a lot of places that you listen to this podcast that you can leave comments and reviews. I know Apple Podcasts, I'm pretty sure iHeartRadio and others, you can uh, leave reviews and comments as well. And last, but most certainly not least, we ask that you share this with your friends. Uh, We do our best to provide... Uh, biblical and and, and strong uh, discussion and we hope that you can feel free to share that with everybody that you love and come in contact with thank you all so much for all of your support we love you